0: ...to start with feet and move up, and hilarity ensues. And right after that hilarity, Wednesday at 9.30 is Dear Darwin. Unable to find an apartment, Luella moves into the Bronx Zoo, where she falls head over heels for a chimpanzee who's been head over heels a lot, too. But Luella does have a problem, and not just that the chimp is two feet shorter and not Methodist. Can she take him home to her mother as her boyfriend or should her story be that he's just a pet, dear Darwin will have you going both ape and bananas in a show that will quickly become your favorite interspecies romp, a lovable, lunatic look for her place in both New York and evolution, and hilarity ensues. And hilarity ensues, but only in my misty mind. He was a shy and private man, who once said to me, I'm good with ten million, lousy with ten. He ran from tributes faster than he ran on the tennis court, faster than he ran from a growling baby leopard, and jumped into my arms when I showed that a good second banana knows how to catch the star. Of course, for every other moment in our thirty years on The Tonight Show, Johnny Carson carried me. He was a man who could make the sharpest ad-libs, recover from the worst jokes, and do the longest comic double-takes. But one night in his dressing-room, while smoking what must have been his hundredth unfiltered cigarette of the day, he said, Ed, I just don't know how to take compliments. You've gotten some of those, have you? I asked. Yeah, one last week from a UPS guy, but he must have thought I was Dick Clark. We were able to joke about almost anything, but Johnny was serious now. He simply did not know how to respond to the legions of people who knew he was America's classiest entertainer. Legions, Ed, I hear him saying, is that the American or the French foreign? Johnny, I just meant that an awful lot of people love you and also know you're a very nice guy. I wish my first three wives had been among them, But not Alex, I hear myself saying. No, I finally got it right. And so did I with Pam. We were slow learners, weren't we, Ed? The Book of the Century Johnny, I said a few months before he died, we've had so many wonderful memories, both on and off the show, that nobody knows about. We'd better keep it that way, he said, especially that night at Jilly's when those two nutty... Of course, we didn't do anything. No, no, not that memory, but all the others. I'd love to share them with everyone in a book. Well, you're the only one to do it, he said, and you can do it any time in the next century. But so many people, Ed, write A Boy's Life of Wayne Newton first, or The Wit and Wisdom of Fats Domino, or The Story of the Lincoln Tunnel, for whom the tolls... Or, stop, I said, laughing hard. Johnny, there are so many worthless books being published, and you want to write another one? Hey, how about writing The Joy of Zinc for all the people who find romance in minerals? Seriously, Johnny, I said, every day a dozen people ask me, what's Johnny Carson really like? The same dozen? Well, just tell them the truth. I'm an easygoing psychopath whose hobbies are bungee jumping, collecting swimsuit pictures of Jack LaLanne and doing Zen meditation with P. Diddy. We pray for a new name for him. Too Soon My heart breaks to think that I do not have to wait until the year 2100 to write my memories of Johnny Carson. At a few minutes after 7 o'clock on the morning of January 23, 2005, the telephone rang in my Beverly Hills house. My wife Pam answered it, and her hand fell to her heart. As the blood drained from her face, she silently handed the phone to me. I didn't need Sherlock Holmes to know what had happened. Johnny, I said. Pam's look said it all. In dismay, I took the phone. Ed, said Johnny's nephew, Jeff Sotzing. Johnny just died. Oh, no, no. You're my first call. He would have wanted me to call you first. I know how much you two meant to each other. Being at a loss for words isn't my style, but it was then. Jeff, I I, I don't know what to say. You don't have to. I'm really now. Uh, let me call you back. Then I started to cry, the first tears that Pam ever saw me shed. The following day, I just lay in bed watching all the tributes to Johnny, crying one minute, laughing the next. It was a style of mourning you don't often see. Ed, I can hear Johnny saying. You needed a grief counselor, or maybe one for volleyball. In the following weeks, I went on many radio and TV shows, on each of them paying tribute to Johnny. And one day his widow, Alex, called me. Ed, she said, I've seen everything you've done. You've been magnificent. Johnny would have hated it all, I said. Yes, wouldn't he? But it's so wonderful you're doing it. I love you, Ed, just as Johnny did." FRIENDS Skitch Henderson once said that I treated everyone with love, an observation that made me sound more like a captain in the Salvation Army instead of a colonel in the United States Marines. Well, I haven't always treated everyone with love. In 1952 I dropped several unloving things on some North Koreans, but I always felt a little extra love for Johnny, who dropped a few bombs of his own when we were together. Most comic teams are not good friends, or even friends at all. Laurel and Hardy didn't hang out together. Abbott and Costello weren't best friends. And Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis, well, there were warmer feelings between Custer and Sitting Bull. However, Johnny and I were the happy exception. Although he was my boss, we shared the unwavering affection of a couple of equals who drove themselves to work finally found the right wives, and liked to lose themselves in drumming and singing while listening to jazz. For 46 years, Johnny and I were as close as two non-married people can be. And if he heard me say that, he might say, Ed, I always felt you were my insignificant other. On his farewell show, I was deeply moved when Johnny told America, This show would have not been possible to do without Ed. Some of the best things we've done on the show have just been, well, he starts something, I start something. Ed has been a rock for 30 years, and we've been friends for 34. A lot of people who work together on television don't like each other. But Ed and I have been good friends. You can't fake that on TV. No, you can't. George Burns said, in show business, the most important thing is sincerity. And if you can fake that, you've got it made. However, there was no faking what Johnny and I felt for each other. Every year on our anniversary show, October 1st, Johnny would turn to me and say, I wouldn't be sitting in this chair for, fill in a number from two to thirty years, if it weren't for this man beside me. He's my rock. My booming laugh on The Tonight Show was never just a conditioned reflex, but always a genuine appreciation for a man who could come up with something like, "'A woman was arrested out here in Los Angeles for trading sex, "'not for money, but for spaghetti dinners. "'Would that make her a prostitute?' "'That line came from Johnny, not one of his writers, "'none of whom had wit that approached his. "'Ice water. "'Johnny Carson has ice water in his veins, some people used to say, "'to which Johnny once replied, "'That's just not true. "'I had all the ice water removed.' I did it in Denmark many years ago. He also had a less comic reply. Ed, I'm so tired of the same old crap. People telling me you're cool and aloof. They always want to know why I'm cool and aloof, instead of hot and stooped. You've known me for eighteen years. Am I cool and aloof? No, my lord. Johnny had developed the reputation for being cold and aloof because he was uncomfortable with people he didn't know. But I knew him better than anyone outside of his family, and I can tell you there was never any ice water to remove. In July of 1995, when my son Michael died at 44 from stomach cancer, Johnny called me with just the right words, and after speaking those words, he said, "'There's not a day when you won't think of him.'" Ice water. When his own son, Rick, was killed in a car crash in 1991, Johnny gave a short, moving eulogy that let America know what flowed in his veins. I'm not doing this to be mawkish, believe me, he said, as he showed a picture of Rick and then some of Rick's nature photographs. Rick was an exuberant young man, fun to be around, and he tried so hard to please. You'll have to forgive a father's pride in these